Hey, welcome to The Heavy with Andrew and Don, where we cover a large range of rock and metal topics. For the casual listener, I'm your host, Don Sutherland. With me, as always, my brother, Andrew Sutherland. What's up, dirtbags? There we go. There we go. Hey. My voice did crack, finally. Yeah. <laughs> we had to do a, a second take because Andrew's voice cracked in the first one. <laughs> um, remember, really you, can, you can email us at theheavypod at gmail.com or DM us on Facebook, whatever, if you got any comments or anything you want to talk to us about. Uh, I'd ask you what we're talking about today, Andrew, but I'm the one who did the research this time. Yeah, so, so uh, Dom, what are we talking about today? There you go. Uh, we're going to talk about the weird way that Eddie Vedder joined Pearl Jam. All right, let's get into it. All right, so Eddie Vedder is the uh, lead singer of Pearl Jam. That's what he's best known for born in uh, 1964 grew up in chicago how much do you know about him already uh big pearl jam guy me uh, i'm not pearl jam is probably on like the tail end of like i think we talked about it before out of the, the big four grunge groups they're probably my least favorite okay. but I like them like but mostly I, I really like their first album yeah, yeah. But, and then like a smattering of songs from the rest of their library i guess but uh, that's fair. Uh, well, hey, maybe I'm introducing you some new stuff then, because our, our brother Rob, uh, he's the one who, when I got my first iPod, he loaded a bunch of songs onto it, and that was like the first music I got to listen to on my own, and it was basically just the whole discography of Pearl Jam and like one Sublime album. <laughs> that's which that's which Sublime album? Uh, the ounces to freedom, I think. Oh, that was not that good. The self-titled one's better. There might have been there might have been two. There was some. There was a couple Sublime albums on there i think maybe just a couple of songs uh but it was mostly pearl jam so i listened to a ton of pearl jam there but yeah pearl jam is definitely a good one to start with because uh like, yeah. I mean, like i said they're they're not my favorite grunge band but they're definitely uh, a band i enjoy mm-hmm. sure. eddie vetter's got a really cool voice oh yeah no he's incredible but yeah so we'll, we'll be talking about eddie vetter um and he his his sort of journey from chicago to california to seattle because it's he hits a couple different spots and he had a really interesting uh, childhood that definitely like once you once you learn about it you can see where he's drawing on it for these lyrics and you yeah. can see how he's such a he seems like a pretty pretty genuine guy uh, and the one yeah. time I saw them he got into the crowd a little bit and you could tell he just like loved being up there and loved interacting with everybody so yeah and then there's the ones that are just touring to pay off their IRS bills <laughs> <laughs> which is a lot of them mm-hmm Especially, especially those ones that have kind of taken a dive in popularity. Uh, so yeah, so Eddie Vedder, uh, he grew up in Chicago with his mother and his stepdad, whose name was Peter Mueller, but he didn't know that he was his stepdad. He was raised to think that he was just his regular dad. Uh, yeah. and, then his, and then his actual dad, uh, who his name was Edward Severson, which is Eddie Vedder's uh, original name. He ended yeah. up changing it later on. Uh, he met him once as a as a kid and he just thought he was an old family friend and then he never met him again. So he, he went uh, his first 15 or 16 years thinking his stepdad was his real dad. And so when did he actually find out that he had met his real dad? Like, did he know he didn't know he was at the time, right? Yeah. So he didn't know, he didn't know who he was. Uh, His parents got divorced um, after they had moved to San Diego and then his parents got divorced. His mom moved back to Chicago and he stayed in San Diego to live with his, who he thought was his regular dad. And then through that process, he, he found out that, no, that's his stepdad. And then he looked up his 
his actual dad and his dad had died uh, like a few years before of MS. So he never got yeah. to meet him like on the terms of, I know that you're my actual father. And that kind of messed him up a little bit. Yeah, that's pretty sad. Yeah, that, that yeah. song Alive, even in the lyrics, you can, they're, they're talking about that. That's yeah. Story, right? Like that part of it. There, there's uh it's like half autobiographical he puts a little more into it but we'll yeah. I'll, I'll get i'll get to that point because it's kind of funny how he how he drew on it uh but okay. yeah it was kind of sad he grew up in a in kind of a weird household too because his his family uh ran sort of a group home for foster children and he had a yeah. couple half siblings so he kind of grew up in a house of seven children but then just foster children as well so it was sort of a, a chaotic household like a revolving door of other kids coming in and out yeah exactly and then like a lot of half siblings um so yeah. he this kind of comes up over and over again because he was pretty he's pretty alone uh like just sort of had himself to rely on uh until yeah. he got into the music scene and he he says that like music's pretty much all he had uh and that's that's how he sort of sort of worked on it um so he he dropped out of high school uh, after his parents got divorced in, in his senior year. And then he kind of putted around, worked at a drugstore, uh, worked at some, some different odd jobs. Uh, and then, uh, but through that entire thing, he kept making demo tapes. So he was still working on everything, but he didn't really know where to go from there, but he kept sticking with the music and kept working on it. And it was like all he had to rely on. Was he always uh, just a singer or did he play any instruments? He he plays he plays guitar, but it sounds like he was really marketing himself as a singer. So his his demo tapes okay. would be based on him with his lyricism and his singing. Like early um, on, he planned on being a singer. Yeah, like that is where that is where he gravitated towards. Um, yeah, and then he he got sort of into the the music scene in in San Diego. He went to he went back to Chicago for a period of time after he found out his stepdad was not his real dad. But then he ended up just going back to San Diego after that. Uh, and then through the music scene, he met Jack Irons. You know who Jack Irons is? Uh, sounds familiar. I'll, I'll probably, once you tell me who it is, I'll probably. It's the, uh, it's the founding drummer for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's, okay. it's California, so it's Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, yeah. California in the 80s. Uh, so yeah, so they met and they became friends and they like over whatever it was, a couple of years, uh, sort of stayed in contact and then up in up in Seattle there's two guys uh Stone Gossard and Jeff Ament who would be the future Stone Gossard was the rhythm guitarist for Pearl Jam and Jeff Ament was the bassist uh and they had they had this band uh Mother Love Bone with their oh, singer Andrew good. Wood who had passed away he died of a heroin overdose uh so they they wanted to form a new band uh, while they were kind of working on this tribute project with Chris Cornell. So they sent some demo tapes uh, out to Jack Irons because they wanted him to to join their band. And he was out of the Red Hot Chili Peppers at this point. Uh, and he was too busy, had other stuff going on. So he passed these tapes along to Eddie Vedder, who at this point had changed his name to Vedder, which was his mother's maiden name. He was no longer yeah. Edward Severson. His name flowed off the tongue a little better. Uh, so he took yeah. these songs and he wrote his own lyrics recorded the songs with his own lyrics and then sent them back to them uh, and they and they really liked them and those songs those songs ended up being alive once which is the uh, opening track off oh, 10 my, that's like my favorite song on the album I love that yeah song. oh that's, that song's amazing <laughs> yeah. uh, and then and then footsteps footsteps was uh was the other one which I I looked up and it's uh I hadn't heard it before 
it's it's interesting it's a little more acoustic um it's the uh it's the b-side of jeremy of the jeremy okay. single it's not on the album but there's like you can hear sort of hints of the other songs in there so he used sort of pieces of it for sure uh but yeah. these these three songs were like half autobiographical about a man who finds out that his dad isn't his real dad uh and then this journey of finding out who he really is except in this story yeah. the guy becomes a serial killer which <laughs> i don't think happened for eddie vetter so <laughs> yeah. uh, poetic license right <laughs> yeah yeah he changed a couple of things but the rest of it is is all based on his experience of like not finding out you're not exactly who you thought you were yeah. growing up that's crazy that the first three songs he wrote like were so iconic or at least two right? of them anyway right yeah that's well like it comes up it comes up later like alive was the first or not alive uh even flow was the first song they played live and like it sounds like it was kind of kind of rough but they played to like a half empty crowd but it was even flows they're probably their biggest hit <laughs> like, definitely one of them anyway song. yeah like that and alive are the, the, the huge songs off of that album yeah um, but it's it's worth noting like he didn't write this music it was uh this is something i figured out about pearl jam reading this stone gossard wrote most of the like a lot of the songs early on yeah. so he had a, a lot more hand than i thought well uh Eddie Vedder's not really, like you said, not much of an instrumentalist, I guess, or at least he wasn't back then, right? Yeah, like he plays instruments, but um, I sort of learned that there's there's a lot more, even in Soundgarden too, because I was reading into Soundgarden as well, uh, they had a lot more interplay with like Matt Cameron on the drums was writing songs for them that ended up being hits. Like he wrote Jesus Christ Post, which oh wow, was kind of surprising. It's like yeah. their, their drummer wrote that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, he changed his name to, to Eddie Vedder, got this audition with Stone Gossard and Jeff Ament. So he, he traveled up to Seattle to audition for their band. They wanted uh, they wanted people to join this new band they had formed after Andrew Wood had died. And he goes up there and Stone Gossard and Jeff Ament just love him. Like they're, they're blown away by his talent. And he apparently was a little not as uh, out of his cage or out of his... Uh, Shell. What did you say? Cell? Shell. Shell, that's it, yeah. yeah. Shell, he wasn't as out of his shell yet. Like you know, Eddie Vedder's like climbing on the walls and stuff in the in yeah. the nineties. Like he was, yeah, he's he was pretty well crazy. known for like going crazy at his concerts and climbing all over everything. Yeah, exactly. So it took him a little bit to get there, but like Jeff Ament and Stone Gossard right away were like, "This is the guy. This is our this is our singer." Yeah. Uh, so they so they get him in into their group, and then sort of in conjunction to that, Chris Cornell takes notice of him. Uh, and that's where he he jumps onto Temple of the Dog, which was a tribute band to to Andrew Wood. Yeah, and that's what that ended up being. And then oh, the that, Hunger Strike song from that. Yeah, Hung, Hunger Strike is on there. Like they had the they had the one album, and it was yeah. like more or less a one off. They they did a reunion later on uh, that I didn't look too too deep into. But yeah, like Chris Cornell brought in uh, Eddie Vedder after meeting him through uh, Jeff Ament and Stone Gossard, and then in that band was was them and then Mike McCready who ended up being the lead guitarist for Pearl Jam as well and then Matt Cameron who I talked about before who is the uh, drummer he was the drummer for Soundgarden and now he's the drummer for Pearl Jam yeah because the bands are really close but Temple of the Dog was just like Soundgarden and Pearl Jam all at once basically real incestuous man (laughs) yeah like they they really just they really just traded there was there was a point um where Matt Cameron when Chris Cornell was still alive and Soundgarden had reformed back in 2011 whatever it is yeah. uh, there was a point where he was touring with both bands at the same time and he was just like going back and forth what a slut 
I don't know. Yeah, just yeah, just kidding around. It's like I guess he just he just loved it, and they loved him, and he was doing everything. Oh, I mean, if you're a good drummer in demand, right? Like, you might as well like take yeah. all the work you can get. I guess. Well, he had, he had a lot more recognition than I thought because um, uh, the it it was mentioned that he was on uh, the best drummers of all time, the Rolling Stones list. Yeah. He was somewhere like 55, which is That's really good. Yeah. Pretty pretty good, yeah. Yeah, so Dave Cruzan was the original guy, but the ones that really cemented it is uh, Jeff Ament, Stone Gossard, Mike McCready, and uh, and Eddie Vedder. So like they've kept yeah. the the core group together. But uh, when they when they got the band together, uh, Dave Cruzan was was saying it was sort of a tough transition. There was a couple people that were still just really because this is only maybe a year, almost less than a year from when Andrew Wood uh, overdosed on heroin. So everyone's yeah. still pretty sad about him uh and dave cruzan was saying it's a it was a tough transition and then they had a photographer uh at their their first performance live where i was saying they played even flow they played about a 40 minute set there and they said they're still trying to fine-tuning things but it was pretty good like everyone could sort of see the potential in it but there was this photographer the lance mercer that worked with them and he said he just walked out because it was so tough seeing someone up there with those guys that wasn't andrew wood so it seemed to have hit everyone pretty hard like people that were close to Mother Love Bone. Previously. Yeah, 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 exactly. And then Chris Cornell was his roommate too. So like Temple of the Dog was sort of a, a huge tribute to him because Chris Cornell was really close to him as well. And everyone yeah. seemed to like yeah, the guy. Wood. Yeah, and it was, a, it was a tough time. But but they played that concert and um, like the band members that, that were in there were like, we were enamored by by Eddie Vedder. Like the, the stuff that he could do with his voice, even though he was still a little more reserved at this point, uh, they could see that he was he was the guy, like I said before, like they were just blown away by him. So they they got the band together. They had this whole lineup figured out. Uh, and we were talking about how Eddie Vedder liked to climb walls and everything. Right. Yeah. Uh, their first studio is this place called London Bridge Studio uh, in Seattle, which is where Mother Lovebone actually recorded as well. But Eddie Vedder was was staying there while they were recording. And uh, the place had these really high ceilings and ropes all over the walls. So that's where he got it. They, they were recording the studio where he was living there. And I'm just assuming that he was just climbing the walls while he was there. And that became his thing. That's where he developed his love for climbing walls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because like if you if you haven't seen it, um, like to the to the listeners, if you haven't seen it, look up Eddie Vedder climbing the walls, anything like that. Like you're going to see some videos from the 90s where he's just he's climbing into this the rafters basically and then jumping into the crowd it's insane yeah he like he like hangs over the crowd and like falls in like he's just all yeah. and he'll just be it's like wild he'll be awful he'll be like way off to the side just like like a like spider-man just like up in the corner yeah he <laughs> like, like drop down yeah he's he's lucky that he's like five six he's a he's a tiny guy so <laughs> was he that, i didn't realize he was that small he's he's pretty Crazy. small i don't know if it's exactly five six but he's a he's a pretty yeah. small dude so it makes sense why they were able to catch him Whereas, yeah, uh, who is who is the guy from Typo Negative? If he did that, he'd probably kill. A yeah, of people. P- Peter Steele. Yeah, he just yeah. crushed a bunch of people. Yeah. They probably Peter just move out of the way. <laughs> yeah, you'd you'd have to, like in yeah. School of Rock when Jack Black does it, and they just let him flop. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So they like within a year they pumped out ten. But once they got the lineup together, it was like lightning in a bottle. I guess Stone Gossard had some of these songs already written. Everyone gelled really well, uh, and it's like a weird instance where like Soundgarden they were they were around for probably close to 10 years before they started really hitting it big but Pearl yeah. Jam just like came together 
and they I guess they had some contacts, but that album is well, insane to start with. You got to think though, like Pearl Jam. You look at Ten came out in 1991. Yeah. So that's like right when uh, grunge was just about to hit a big. Like Soundgarden yeah. had been around for like since like the mid 80s, right? Yeah, and like a year after, was it was 91 Nevermind or was it 1990? Uh, Nevermind was like 90, to 92. Nine, no, Nirvana, uh, never mind. Was 91. oh, 91. So I guess okay. yeah, it was the same time. My bad. I thought it, no, I thought it was 1990. I thought it was earlier, but yeah. So it's like right around this time of the the movement, and it all just happened. It seemed to happen really, really quickly for them. But also, it took Eddie Vedder a year to get to where he basically was for the rest of the 90s. Like they said, within a year, he was he was that guy. He was like he the was, front man, like iconic. Yeah. yeah exactly. Like he. They they say that he was he wasn't really ready to lead a band at first, but it took yeah. him. It's just crazy that it took him one year, like uh, puttering around on his own in in California for a long time, like working out all these demo tapes, uh, working through all this stuff. Uh, he had to get his he did actually get his GED, but he was doing it while he was working and trying to trying to hit it big and meeting these guys, and then gets an audition in Seattle, and within a year they're the second big name in the grunge movement basically when you think about it like those other guys were already established musicians with mother love bone like they've been around right, for yeah. like, a, like a, almost a decade probably mm-hmm. and then uh but when i heard about pearl jam so like me not being you know back in the day i wasn't the the biggest grunge fan i probably got more into it be after the fact but uh when i thought when i heard about pearl jam the only name i knew was eddie vetter like that's right. what yeah, that was, was that was the name you knew from from Pearl Jam. If you knew any name, it yeah. was that. Like, I you know I learned about you know Stone Gossard and and uh, Jeff Ament and Mike McCready like later mm-hmm. on, but like when I was when I wasn't such a big fan, I knew who Eddie Vedder was. Yeah, yeah, because he was he was like the personality for it. And it makes sense. Yeah. It's just like how quickly he got there. Like you said, they're they're established guys. They've been around for a little bit, and then the He's the overshadowed thing that came immediately. Yeah, like the thing that brought him all brought it all together was this random guy from from California that just happened to know yeah. the old drummer from Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, with all this, I guess, just like raw talent. Yeah, I don't want to digress too much, but did Jack Irons play on like the uh, Chili Peppers first album? Yeah, so he was a founding member. I didn't look too far into it. I'm assuming he'd be on the first album, but he was the founding drummer of the band, so okay. he would have some some credits in there. I'm sure. That's crazy. I want to do a history on on the Red Hot Chili Peppers at some point because I really like their old stuff. Like, I, yeah, pretty much everything pre Californication. That'd be really that'd be really cool cool to uh, hear. Chad Smith is probably my second favorite drummer. Next oh man, to, you gotta watch. Watch what? You gotta watch the drum off with him and Will Ferrell. <laughs> you ever seen oh, that? It's, yeah, <laughs> it's hilarious. They, they look they look so similar. <laughs> I can't remember what show it was on, but they did like a drum off with each other, and it was yeah. Cool. I try to remember. I remember looking that up, but I I love his drumming style, like the jazz kind of stuff that he has going on. Him and uh, I would say Stuart Copeland is probably my favorite drummer. Oh, from, from the uh, Police. Yeah. From the Police, he's just incredible. Yeah, sorry, I, I'm digressing. No, no, it's okay. I'm I'm pretty much uh, I'm pretty much at the end of it there because you could just talk about so much more with Pearl Jam, but just Eddie Vedder joining it was such a weird set of circumstances, uh, and the fact that he, like he said, he kind of overshadowed them, but they also all seemed to really get along, which was kind yeah, of like, no, nobody's nobody's like 
no one's bitter about it or there's no like hard feelings like everybody yeah embrace their their role in the whole thing right yeah because even Soundgarden like towards the end of the 90s they they broke up because of creative differences um and I was reading into it a little bit and it I think it was Kim Thale like their guitarist that was saying the industry kind of ate them up a bit and they it took them some years to recover but Pearl Jam just putting out an album every couple years touring non-stop and just doing fine like they really definitely have a good Definitely have good chemistry. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, like they, they seem to. Uh, when I saw them a few years ago, like they had some really good onstage chemistry, which yeah. some sometimes can kind of lack. Like I saw the, I saw the Killers as well, and they've been around less time, and they put on a great show. But I like they were kind of not really interacting with each other up there. <laughs> like they yeah. kind of. Oh man, there's there's some bands that all fucking hate each other, and <laughs> they just mm. they just do it for like for the money, right? Like or just to keep up appearances but like you can tell bands that don't get along with each other oh yeah <laughs> but yeah so that's that's pretty much the story of of eddie vetter uh like joining joining the band at least and in, in brief he went from this sort of no-name guy trying to keep his life together in california to getting this this crazy audition but yeah so we can uh we can move into the the workout playlist then all right let's do it i ain't got time to bleed Let's put a smile on that face. I took the wrong week to quit drinking. If you got anything to say about any of these songs, because I have a couple Temple of the Dog and Mother Love Bone songs on here, but these bands were kind of new to me. I haven't listened to them a lot. So if you got anything to say about the songs, then then go ahead and jump in. Yeah, I've listened to Mother Love Bone a lot. Uh, Temple of the Dog. I, I know the songs, but I don't know them as well. Yeah, they have yeah. they have like the one album is the thing. So yeah, you can only go so deep. It was like a, a quick little tribute thing. Um, but like they they're still good. You know, you get Eddie Vedder and Chris Cornell singing together. Um, so I'll go into to the first song uh, is going to be Temple of the Dog uh, off of their Temple of the Dog album. It was self titled. Uh, uh, and it's hunger. It's, yeah, <laughs> and it's hunger strike. So I'll start off with like their big, their big hit. Uh, yeah, Eddie's Eddie's vocals are are insane on this. Like considering that this is right when he came to Seattle that he was he was doing this. Uh, he's got kind of a duet with Chris Cornell going on, and their voices work so well together. That's kind of all you need to make a good song. Uh, but you can also kind of hear a clash of like Soundgarden and Pearl Jam sounds coming together because it's it's all the different guys in the bands so it's not probably not one you put on like repeat but i once in a while that song really hits okay hunger strike by temple of the dog and the bombing babies of the slaves are out working and it's on the table the mouths are choking but i'm going hungry Well, I, I've heard that song like a million times because it's on the radio all the time. Yeah, but right. It, yeah. It's, but it's a great song. And like, I really, when you're talking about their voices going really well together, like I, I don't, normally when it's on the radio, I just kind of like, I don't really pay too much attention to it because I hear it so much. But then when you really like focus on it, you can really hear Chris Cornell's voice kick in. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, you know, and, and, and just hit those like kind of higher notes as Eddie Vedder's like 
you know, kind of leading into it. And it's just, yeah, it, they really like, complement each other. It is a really nice dynamic. The, the voices, yeah, like they do really do complement each other. Like, yeah, it's sure. definitely one that you, you want, you don't want like the FM compression on it, basically. You want, you want to be listening with good headphones or something on your computer for it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Like a proper yeah. sound system. Mm hmm. So the, uh, the second song is also Temple of the Dog, the last Temple of the Dog song, uh, Say Hello to Heaven. So I haven't really listened to like this entire album. I basically only heard Hunger Strike when I was going through it. This one really stuck out. Like it's clearly a, an amazing testament to Andrew Wood uh, and then more yeah. of a showcase for, for Chris Cornell. But the, the song really, it, it's really touching when you think about it in the perspective of like this entire band is a tribute to this one guy that they all love. Uh, yeah. And that, that song's really good. So give that one a, a shot. All right, so this is Say Hello to Heaven by Temple of the Dog. Yeah, that's a nice song. Yeah, it's just kind of beautiful, say, hey? I would say these songs, like, where they lack in, like, instrumental heaviness, they make up for in thematic heaviness. Yeah, I got <laughs> yeah. you. Like, like, there's there's so much emotion behind it because they're just, like, let's... Yeah, let's just knowing what it's mind. about. Yeah. yeah, just knowing that it's, it's, like, this heartfelt tribute to their, you know, fallen comrade, right? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of it's kind of beautiful. Yeah, yeah it's very, very nice. Very nice mm -hmm. song. Uh, all right, so number three... Uh, is going to be got a couple Mother Love Bone tracks on here too, which is another band yeah. that it's funny how how big into Pearl Jam and Soundgarden I got, and then I just never listened to, to either of these bands. Uh, but the the first one for Mother Love Bone is going to be Crown of Thorns off of yeah. Apple. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, I mean, that's their big song. Yeah. But specifically, I to, I, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I listen to Mother Love Bone more than I listen to Pearl Jam. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Um, I saw that. Pearl Jam did a version of this one as well, but this is the Mother Love Bone version. Uh, and I think it just shows how much Stone Gossard and Jeff Ament drove the music in Pearl Jam because you just, I I hear so much Pearl Jam in it, but it's a it's a great song. I'm sure you'd, you you know the song, but you have to give another listen to it anyways. Yeah, I don't definitely. I, I, yeah. I mean, I love it, so I have no problem listening to it again. Yeah, I'm wondering if you'll if you'll know the second Mother Love Bone song that I put in there, but we'll start with this. Yeah, maybe it's something I haven't heard before. I'm mm -hmm. looking forward to it. All right, so this is Crown of Thorns by Mother Love Bone. I used to treat you like a lady. Now you're a substitute teacher. This bottle's not a pretty, not a pretty side. I owe the man some money. Man, that song is such a slow burn and it's so great all the way through. It's it's like awesome it, when it pays off <laughs> the slow yeah. burn. And like uh, Andrew Wood had such a distinctive voice too. Mm-hmm. Andrew Andrew Wood, yeah, he's. Yeah. I, it's it's just so sad. 
Like I, it's not a story I knew before, but like I just turned 25, uh, like last week and he died at 24. Like that, yeah. that hits a little perspective, bit. Eh? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy. Um, so we got another mother love bone song. Last one for them. Uh, half ass monkey boy off of their, uh, 89 EP shine. Have you, do you know this one? I not offhand. I, I, I'm sure I've, I've listened to all their stuff, but it's not one of the ones that I know uh, immediately. So I'm going to okay. uh, okay. listen to it, see if I recognize it. But, uh, it's pretty awesome. Uh, I hear a lot more Soundgarden in this one. Um, yeah. It's it's like fast and powerful, uh, and then it's another song that just shows how much they like overlap and were influencing each other. Like all these sounds from the Seattle music scene, but like specifically the Soundgarden and Pearl Jam guys. Uh, but okay. this song is is faster and like it sounds a lot like the louder louder than love album okay so, and it's uh, yeah. uh, got a great title <laughs> yes oh it's ter- terrific that's I, uh, part of why i was drawn to it all right this is half-ass monkey boy by mother love bone I like it. That is totally funk metal. It's like, <laughs> yeah, right. That sounds so much like uh, like something off of Extremes' first album with like the bass. Yeah, like yeah. Old old type, like you know, old uh, Red Hot Chili Pepper style or, or Extreme or that kind of stuff, right? Like 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 fast and really heavy, but also yeah, like that's got some swing in it. Yeah, it's, it's got it's the, the the time. I don't know how like I guess like the funk element kind of comes with like the 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 time of the. I, I don't really like musically. I can't really explain it, but yeah, like it swings a little bit. I think would be yeah. the the term. But I yeah, I'm I. It's been a long time since I took piano lessons, so I don't. Uh, the terms are a little bit lost. <laughs> that's some great, great bass lines in it though. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, really yeah it's, like it. it's a sweet song. Yeah. Uh, so that that is it for the the ones that are not Pearl Jam. So now I've got uh, I've got four Pearl Jam tracks and then a fifth bonus track <laughs> that I'm really excited to get your opinion on. But I'll I'll do awesome. the regular Pearl Jam stuff right now. Um, so off of uh, off of ten from nineteen ninety one, uh, this is my favorite song from the album. It's uh, it's one of the deeper ones because I have to be original. I can't just pick even flow, but it genuinely yeah. is is my favorite song. It's a uh, garden off of that first album. Um, like great build up, like we were talking about, a bit of a bit of a slow burn, but like the guitar solo always gives me chills, uh, and I absolutely love it. Okay. Uh, This is Garden by Pearl Jam. Okay, yeah, that solo was pretty sweet. I it's, found it. It's awesome. Yeah, the way the way it builds up to it, like through the song. I actually like the guitar 
through the whole song like even at the start where it's just like the just the notes or whatever and then yeah like, it's clean. Into, like the riffs like it's it's a really that's a nice song i like that it, it builds up so beautifully uh and yeah, yeah just i love that track I, i'm sure I've, i know i've heard it before because i have this album and i've listened to the whole album at some point but it's like one of those mm-hmm. songs that i just kind of like left to the wayside like i didn't really pay attention to it and it's, it's yeah like, it gets kind of lost because it's an album full of hits like jeremy and black and alive like yeah there's just so many memorable it. songs yeah yeah but like it and uh, i would put porch sort of second of songs that i like my favorite songs off the album that get sort of lost yeah. in there but they're really good like once is still my favorite song on that album but I, oh I, yeah I once like is this incredible one for sure mm-hmm all right, uh, so now we're gonna jump. Or we're gonna we're gonna leapfrog Pearl Jam's second album versus, because uh, I find that they that gets almost more radio play than uh, than ten. It's got daughter. What else is on there? Uh, daughter. It's got uh, I believe Rearview Mirror on there yeah. as well. Like it's it's got some it's got some tracks that uh, yeah, daughter, animal, go, uh, it, yeah, Rearview Mirror. Like they. I've heard them on the radio more than any 10 tracks lately because people are like, oh, they're Pearl Jam deep tracks. And like, Versus yeah. was a huge album. <laughs> it's not a deep track. Yeah, it was, it was a very commercially yeah. successful album, I believe. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're they're famous for how they had no sophomore slump. Like they their second album was was really good. Uh, but yeah, so we're going to jump that. We're going to go to Vitalogy from 1994. Yeah. Uh, and the track is Corduroy. That's a, it's a bigger one, but you don't hear it a lot on the radio. Uh, and it's... A, another example of how they've got those these like half deep tracks hidden in their in their albums, especially their early ones that are are well worth listening to that don't don't yeah. get to play. But Corduroy's got some sweet riffs. Is that is this the album that Better Man was on? Uh yeah, I think so. Yeah, because Better Man was the single I remember from this album on the radio at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which also gets tons of play as it as it should. But there's some other awesome tracks in there. All right, so Corduroy by Pearl Jam. It's got a pretty good riff. I like that. I don't yeah. think I've ever heard that before. But yeah, it's a it's a sweet song. Like it's like like I said, lost a little bit. Yeah, I think the only I only have like the first two Pearl Jam albums personally. So a lot of the other stuff I've heard, I've only heard the like singles, and you know the, the odd song here and there. Right. Yeah. So. Like I would, in in my opinion, like all of their every single album of theirs from the '90s and the early 2000s is worth worth a listen to. Like they get kind of weird towards the late 90s but they yeah they, they still like keep it up with with albums that you can listen through all the way and enjoy yeah i'll have to do a pearl jam deep dive one of these days just like go through the whole their whole library yeah so that was uh that was corduroy we're gonna jump uh a few years we're gonna jump ahead to 2002 uh they put out riot act um, yeah. and this song is called save you and this this album i like it doesn't really have any songs that i've heard get radio play like one of the big hits is uh i am i am mine which is good it's a bit of a slower one but save you is a is a harder track like they keep it going eddie vetter's voice hasn't lost a step at this point um yeah it's like what 14 years later after they formed and you know you could tell me this song came out in 95 and i wouldn't uh i wouldn't doubt it 
but uh, it's right. it's great. So this is uh yeah, give that one. All a right, listen. so uh, save you by Pearl Jam. I actually like that one better than Corduroy. Yeah, I, like the, I figured uh, you'd like that one. Yeah, I like, I like the riff and I like the bass. Actually, you can really hear the bass stand out in that one too. Oh, like really yeah, cool. later on there's a there's a really nice bass breakdown. The like the riff is is awesome, and then uh, like I, the chorus is catchy enough to keep you going. And I yeah, I'm a big fan of that one. All right, so I got uh, I got one more before a bonus track that I want you to listen to. Uh, this one I'm not sure if you're gonna like it. It's it's a lot softer. Uh, I just think it's a really good testament to Eddie Vedder's lyricism and his and his poetry and that kind of okay. that kind of thing. Like he's he's just very good with with words. Uh, it's a song that he just plays himself with the ukulele, and I yeah. think it's really it's a really nice track. It's called "Soon Forget." It's off of Binaural Bi- Binaural. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Uh, their their album from 2000 though. Okay, uh, "Soon Forget" by Pearl Jam. That's one more time around. The sun is going down, the moon is out, but he's drunk and shouting, putting people down. He's pissing, he's living, but they'll soon forget. Counts his money every morning. The only thing that keeps him warning. That's like my biography put to music. I that's so sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Such a yeah, no, I, I like it. I I don't uh I, I don't have a problem with uh with soft music or acoustic or, or yeah. you know different instruments. Like I, I, I if a song is well written, like I, I like that actually. It's a nice little it's almost like a parable. It's like this guy sold his soul and everyone forgets about him, like that kind of thing. I hope that's not your yeah. biography. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just <laughs> it gets it gets so sad towards the end. Just like, oh, man, well, I didn't listen. Oh. I didn't. I didn't listen to the very end. I probably should have yeah. gone all the way through. Uh, there. No, it's okay. It it keeps the theme going through the day. Hopefully, my ending will be better. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So that is it for like the actual songs. I wanna hey. I wanna show you this one track by Pearl Jam before we go. Uh, that that our brother Rob explain to me what it was it was just eddie vetter popping into the studio with an accordion and just <laughs> like reading this weird it was almost another poem but it's just super, it's super weird and you can just imagine the scenario where he went in and I'm like yeah let's put that on the album uh it's off of by yeah. of a uh, vitalogy yeah again uh and it's called bugs so give bugs. give that one a listen <laughs> all right i know your thoughts okay the song is bugs by pearl jam I got bugs. I got bugs in my room. Bugs in my bed. Bugs in my ears. They're eggs in my head. Bugs in my pockets. Bugs in my shoes. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a vastly different story than he was telling in the last song. <laughs> 
I, I think with that one, he's just wasted and popped into the studio with an accordion. Yeah. And like, but, like, yeah. You know, you usually think of an accordion as kind of having a bit of a, you know, maybe a grating sound, but that like, that was like a super discordant accordion. Like yeah. was, I don't I think he knew well. how to play that. I don't know. I don't think he knew how to play it. <laughs> he was not a trained accordionist. Like he was, just, like, he was not, I, I had a, a piano teacher when I was when I was younger that uh, she started on the accordion and she showed me at one time, uh, yeah. and it doesn't sound like that when you know how to play. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it's yeah, it's not supposed to sound like that, but that's uh, definitely entertaining. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like Vitalogy is a, a great album, but then the last the last few songs really get weird. <laughs> but yeah, the rest of it's worth it. Uh, yeah, I just I wanted you to hear that. <laughs> Uh, all right, yeah. Well, that's that's it um, for for the workout playlist. Uh, for news, not not much really. Pearl Jam's still touring; like they're still going strong. I'm sure they'll keep putting out albums. They're going through Europe right now, uh, so I mean, I, you always have a chance to catch them. They they tend to be pretty thorough with their tours, but uh, Pearl Jam's still pretty active and uh, they're going strong. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, unless you got something you want to add. Uh, no, no, I'll, I'll hold off on my stuff till uh, till the next one that I do. Next, next episode. episode. Uh, all right, cool. Well, uh, then that is that is going to do it for this episode of The Heavy. Uh, that playlist, don't forget, it is on Spotify, and we update it every week, so we'll get those tracks on there for you. Uh, and see the show notes for a complete list of songs you heard in this episode. We've got a link to that playlist as well, so you can check it out. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app if you like the show tell a friend and leave us a rating on itunes our website is www.theheavy.ca you can email us at theheavypod at gmail.com follow us on instagram twitter and facebook at theheavypod on all of those our show is edited by ian sutherland andrew does all the research except for this episode i did the research our brother rob designed our logo our theme song is stallions of the highway by savage blade i'm your host don sutherland and thanks for listening we will catch you again in two weeks Later. What's up, dirtbags? Oh, oh my, God, my voice broke. Oh. <laughs> cut, cut it. Cut that. Cut that. Cut that. <laughs> <Keep> that <in. laughs>